Welcome to Seeking the Truth, where we explore how successful companies and business leaders use data to make confident decisions. Hosted by Darshna Shetty, VP of Product at Truve, a one-stop solution for income and employment verification. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Seeking the Truth podcast. I'm your host, Darshna Shetty, and today with me, I have a very special guest, Dave Dickerson. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me. Dave, I'm going to give you a brief introduction about you, and please correct me if I'm wrong or if you'd like to add anything um, more. Um, so you're the founder and chairman at Accurate Background today. You're also a board member at Ferritly, which is an AI company with screens. Um, it's screen social media for candidates and looks correct. at their profile. Correct. And last but my most favorite part is you've been the first few advisors for Truth back when we were a very small hot dog shop and we were called Citadel ID. Correct. You didn't even have a product then. We didn't even have a product then. Right. Tell us more. Why did you take a shot at Truth? I met Kirill and, you know, he proposed what you guys were, the problems you guys were trying to solve, which was a big problem in our space on gaining verifications. We're looking for alternative methods. Um, So I understood what he was trying to do. And a lot of times in the background screening space, it's better to partner with uh, someone else in in the technology side to achieve the results faster. And so uh, I like Kirill. I like what they were, what the team was doing. So it took a leap and uh, I think it's uh, been a good outcome so far. Well, thank you for having the trust in us. And we've always learned so much from you. And thank you for taking a shot when we were such a small, small company. Uh, But I think the first time I met you in PBSA, three years ago, almost. And Dave, I was really fascinated by your entrepreneurial journey, right? And how you've built a successful company like Accurate today. Um, So maybe let's start there, right? Tell us more about your journey. Why did you end up picking background screening space, um, educate us and educate the listeners? So in 96, I was work, 1996, I was working for a company that was a public records aggregator. So they would get public record files. They created a database and you would use that database for skip tracing, for basically locating people, right? So with uh, a few attributes, I could search the database and try to locate that person. And the way you would do it was, uh, cross-referencing different databases to build the social security number. And then once I had the social security number, then I can kind of get an idea of where that person was. And also I would have access to other information. So the primary users of that product at the time were banks mm-hmm. who were looking for people who had defaulted. And the other one was private investigators. And I was working with the private investigators. And so the private investigators weren't using a lot of this product. It was a relatively inexpensive uh, search. It was like $5, I think, at the time. And mm-hmm. they weren't doing a lot of volume. So when I was looking to them as to other products and services we can offer, what always came up was criminal records. Right. And so we had a product at the time, but it was very expensive and very slow. So the more... I started looking into it. I'm like, well, we could create our own network of people to go to the courthouses mm-hmm. and get this information and provide it relatively inexpensively. So the company wasn't interested in doing that. So I had been in business for myself before. So it was a, wasn't, took me all of 
10 seconds to decide, well, okay, I'm going to leave and go do it on my own. So I did that. And, and so initially I started out as a, effectively a wholesaler in the space, selling criminal records to other providers. And the way I, I started was I, you know, to start call, literally start calling the courts asking at the time, is there any researcher who comes in every day? Here's my phone number. Uh, you know, have them call me. I may have work for them. And I started building my network. And then in some courthouses where I could access remotely, I did that as well. So, you know, technology has really changed the the space over the years, but that's how I started out. And then probably within six months of um, providing the services, I was approached by a large, very large retailer and said, mm-hmm. you know, we do about two or 300 of these searches every day. Your name pops up every every time as the source to get this, can we just work with you directly? And so then we just started building products for end users over that period. And, you know, companies grown. We've been doing this for 26 years. Awesome. Um, I'm sure over the course of 26 years, you've had a lot of, you know, lessons that you've learned, things that have gone right, things that have gone wrong. If you were to kind of give some advice to young entrepreneurs out there who's trying to either build a successful startup or start out with their journey as an entrepreneur, what, what would you say? What would you say to them? For me, it really was listening to the clients and what their needs were. And then I would try to solve a problem. So I think, I think Akron still today is very good at solving customer problems, Mm -hmm. uh, identifying them, solving them and building solutions for that. And I think, uh, it's not so much, for, if I'm going to advise someone, it's not so much what I want to build or as if I'm the, if I'm the entrepreneur, don't get caught up in your idea as much as what the problem you're trying to solve. Cause it's going to evolve. Absolutely. You know, what you start out today is going to be different, you know, two years from now. Yeah. And nobody wants a cool product that nobody's going to pay money for. <laughs> right? That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so, for the purposes of our uh, educating our listeners, right? Um, background screeners typically partner with employers and um, applicants who are trying to change jobs. They verify those applicants and make sure everything that they have stated in their application and their history on their resume, it's all correct. And also they do criminal and other additional checks. Is that an accurate description of a background screener? Correct. A background screening company, a CRA, Consumer Reporting Agency, they're not investigators, right? We're not trying to turn over every stone to find everything about you. We're trying to verify the information from the candidate, uh, what they have provided, okay? So from the criminal records, we're just going to the courthouses and verifying the information there. If you, from the employers, you're providing the employment information and we're verifying that you actually, in fact, worked at that uh, employer. So if, if you were to kind of uh, talk about some common challenges faced by background screening industry, what are those challenges today? Regulation is one thing, the government, right? They keep getting involved as to what we can report. But again, we're, we work with our customers and, uh, and the courthouse to solve that. The other mm-hmm. problem, too, is on the verification space, which has mm-hmm. been a, a huge problem, right? The cost has gotten more expensive to do that from the providers that are the, the historical legacy providers out there. Right. And the data is not necessarily that good. Right. So the, the verifications has, has had to evolve. And so part of evolving is you actually have to teach the customer mm-hmm. to kind of reimagine what a verification is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. historically you used to do, you know, I want every employer for the last seven years. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, it's sometimes it's harder to get that data. So you, right. you get the customer thinking maybe the last employer is really the, the more important one. Right. And, and then you show them data like the, you know, the information that you couldn't get seven years ago, you're not even using that data to make a decision anyway. So you're, you're just wasting money. Right. Um, and how does Accurate tackle some of, some of these challenges? Again, we look at the solutions that are out there, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and then we partner with the different providers and we will develop a solution that fits our customer needs, right? So, you know, sometimes you, you get lucky and there's a solution out there that kind of solves the problem 100%. Mm-hmm. And other times it's like you might have to use different different solutions. Maybe, you know, uh, one provider plus you're doing a couple internal uh, you know, I don't want to say workarounds, but basically ways of getting that data. Mm-hmm. So something like a waterfall. Yeah, you create a, that's exactly right. You create a waterfall effect mm-hmm. and then you, you just go through that process of trying to get that information. So the one thing with uh, background screening companies, they're, where the innovation comes in is in aggregating the data. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not reinventing background screenings. It's just how they are gathering the data and aggregating it, right? So we're, you know, not just how we go to the courthouses and get the information. It's very automated now. Now we're looking for solutions to automate the verification process, right? And and part of the the way you achieve that is removing the, um, the what we call touches, right? So the mm-hmm. more people who touch it, it, it complicates the process. It becomes more expensive, right? So if you can remove the touches, it actually makes it more efficient. Okay. And you get it back faster, and it's a better product all around. Awesome. Yeah, that's helpful. And um, I hear a lot of things about how background screening industry is evolving, right? And it's more consolidating. Um, So I'd love to kind of pick your brain on, you know, how do you think the background screening industry is evolving and what will it look like in the next five years? I would say it's relatively easy to enter the market, extremely difficult to scale. Yeah. Okay, so to give you an idea, there's probably in the U.S. probably five, six hundred providers. Yeah. Okay, and most of the vast majority of these providers are very small mom and pop regional spots, and who do a very, make a very good living providing their county area, right? But they're very limited in the services they can provide. So as you grow the business, you have to keep investing in technology, and so what ends up happening is, the, again, the larger you are, the more uh, technology that's required to do this, right? And you have to spend the money and not everybody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. To give you an example, uh, the, you know, you have three publics in the, in the space. Mm-hmm. They probably represent uh, over, just over 50% of the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, you have accurate who's the largest individual uh, owned provider. Okay. And then, and then you probably have uh, from there it just drops even further. There's probably three more providers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you are going to see a consolidation in the space over time. And if you were to think about key factors or critical that are critical for background screeners, right? Um, what are some solutions out there or some factors that background screeners currently use? What are some things to keep in mind while evaluating different solutions, different options, different vendors? How do you think about choosing? a good solution for the space or many solutions for the space. Right. Again, a lot of it depends from the customer standpoint. A lot of it depends on the customer size. Okay. The larger the customer, 
Mm-hmm. What's going to end up happening is you want to select a provider who actually owns their own own technology, mm-hmm. so you can customize it, you can integrate it, you can kind of uh, uh, make adjustments that's needed to meet your needs. Right? The smaller providers tend to be on third party platforms; they're very limited as to what they can they can do. So the larger you get, again, this is where scale becomes important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you own your own technology, you can integrate with different ATS platforms, different HRS platforms. You can build solutions, uh, again, using True, right? That's yeah. for the verification. I can use True as to building a verification uh, uh, product, mm-hmm. okay? Those are things that we can control, right? When I'm, not, I'm not relying on someone else to do that. And I think for the customer standpoint, that's really important because, Again, the larger the customer, they're going to have their own requirements as to how they want the background to work, um, how they want the workflow uh, to process. Uh, And those are things where, again, the larger you are, it it makes it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So Got it. And then then the other thing uh, where I think, again, a little uh, plug for Accurate, I think uh, customer service standpoint is a really big part of it, right? you know, once you get past the technology, there, we are a service-based business, so I think that's important. And so we want to work with, uh, you want to find a CRA that is very customer-focused, and you, we want to work with partners that are, for, are customer-focused as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, so speaking of Truve, right, um, as a head of product at Truve, I've always kind of seen, it's kept me at night at days where um, I've thought about how is our product differentiated? right? Um, It's a very competitive space. We have a lot of players. um, So I'd love to hear from you. You're a client, you're an advisor. What, how do you perceive the value of Truth and the solution that we offer? What I like about Truth is you, is you, again, involving the candidate. One of the things that we did early on, going back to 2000, we started a candidate entry process where we would actually collect the data directly from the candidate. So so working with Truth, it follows the same kind of process and logic, right? So the candidates involving um, themselves, they're providing certain information, so it's easier to get their data, okay? So so once you have the candidate captured in that uh, onboarding process, it's easier to collect the information at, the, at that time. The last thing we want to do as a CRA is go have to go back to the candidate mm-hmm. uh, for updates, you know, uh, two or three days later, where the more we can get up front, the better. And I think True kind of meets that uh, that need, especially um, if you're looking at for the most recent employer. Mm-hmm. That's where the sweet spot, for, in my mind, that's the sweet spot for True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's like you know previous employer, or if there is a specific background screener that wants to collect seven years of employment history, right? What are some of the other solutions that you lean on? So the other solutions that are out there, right? Um, you know, you can go back to a, a company that we all know, <laughs> uh, the, the uh, Equifax, the work number, right? The yeah. problem with that, extremely expensive. They, they, they've doubled their prices every year. Mm-hmm. And they're only, you only get information back probably less than 30% of the time. Mm-hmm. If you're in the banking industry, it's probably a good solution. But if you're outside the banking industry, it's, the times you're going to get information is is uh, it's kind of rare. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is they're charging you for data that mm-hmm. if they return something that they had in their system 10 years ago, you still get charged. Where even if the customer doesn't want that data, right? So that's a problem. Um, so you have so that's so you know we have to educate our customers. Some customers say you know 
it is what it is. I'm willing to pay it. But most of them are looking for alternatives, right? So the alternatives are, you know, we will, again, reach out to the company through a phone yeah. call, right? Yeah. Uh, the second way is doing some type of documentation collection, either through a, a, a pay, recent pay stub or you're doing um, like a W-2, right? Mm -hmm. And again, at the time you're collecting the data, this is where I think working with Truve has been extremely important is if Truve doesn't have it within their network, we know at that time we might as well just collect the data up front. Right. Okay. And so we can say, save, you know, the phone calls or, or, or reaching out. Because when you're doing verifications, if you really don't get that person on the first phone call, mm -hmm. the success rate really drops. Interesting. If they haven't got back to you by the third day, they're probably not going to get back to you. Yeah. Okay. So the more you can get it up front, this is the better. It's better. Got it. And in terms of um, calling the employer and documentation upload, what kind of like, give me a ballpark range of what type of success rates do you see there? On the employer, you're probably, we'll probably see like 50% of the time we'll, we'll get, we'll catch them on the first call. Okay. But if you don't, again, if you don't catch them on the first call, it just really drops. It's gone. Okay. It's gone because most of the time they're not, they're not necessarily interested in providing uh, data to something for somebody who worked there eight years ago. Right. That's right. Okay. And they don't want to have to do the work, right? That's the problem, right? Yeah. So again, this is where the documentation yeah. uh, collection becomes important. And these are things that we work with the, with our clients, the, the customer to kind of figure out ahead of time. So when we're configuring them up front and saying, this is our process, how do you want to work? Right. You have some customers say, oh, I don't care. I want you to call every day for five days, mm. even though the success rate is not going to be there. Right? right. You know, those customers are rare, but those are things you have to work out. Or some, some will say, you know, you know, I understand that you're working with Truve. This is great. Uh, everyone else just collect the documents up front. Dave, you spoke about instant databases and sometimes, you know, you may not get the accurate data. Right. It might be outdated. How do you combat that? What do you what do you do to kind of make sure that you're you don't have such data going into the system? Again, we're so we're reaching out to the candidate, okay. And if we can't reach, if we can't obtain the information from the employer, the previous employer, the candidate will provide their last pay stub at that job or the W two for that year that shows the employment. Mm -hmm. Okay, again, and that's where we're going to provide back to the candidate or to I'm sorry to our client. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, it, it's basically we're relying on the, the candidate to provide us that information. And in terms of um, true versus instant database versus document upload or collection or, you know, even reaching out, HR reach, like reaching out to the HR or the employer, right? Where do you see the most value and in terms of like benefits and, you know, investment ROI, where do you see is the most value and which is quicker, which is easier, which is safer, which is faster? What is your opinion? Okay. My opinion, if you already have the candidate yeah. in the process, truth is the most cost effective yeah. because as long as they're providing the information, I'm going to get that information back from the payroll system. Right. Okay. So that's, yep. it's, it's an accurate. It's the source. Yeah. The source, you're going directly to source. The information is accurate, right? Correct. Yeah. So every step beyond that gets more expensive. So phone calls through a, a call center becomes more expensive. The problem is if you go to these databases, right, mm -hmm. they become more expensive, right? And it's, so you go, so you have the work number, you know, who notoriously very high priced. Okay. Mm -hmm. But your, the success rate is only about 30% of the time, which is actually consistent. If you look at 
the employment data, uh, Fortune 1000 only employs about 30, 35% of the people. Yeah. All right. So that means, you know, 65% of the people are, are employed by small businesses or are not being addressed by true. That's right. So you, how are you going to get that data? Okay. So you have to be able to go out and get that data directly from the employer. Okay. And again, I'm either going to call or I'm going to collect that data from, uh, if I haven't got it from true, I'm either going to call or we're going to collect that data through, uh, some type of documentation. Got it. And with documentation, you rely on consumer making sure that, you know, there could be a fraud there. They could go generate an online pay stub or an online W-2 for Correct. $8. That's, that's, that's always a risk. <laughs> right. That's, always, yeah. that's exactly right. That's always a risk. We, I think we, we do a good job of trying to vet those things out, but that is always a risk. And, and, and we, t- we, we take the approach uh, that candidates are going to be good actors in the whole process, right? They, they're, right. they really want the job, so that's why they're providing you information. Right. Um, you, you do have those rare instances that somebody will go above and beyond yeah. and start fabricating uh, documents, but I think we're pretty good about vetting those things out. Yeah, awesome. Cool. That's great to hear. Um, my last question, and we'll wrap up after this. Um, interest rates have been at an all-time high, right? And it, we've seen kind of the economy and the market changing rapidly over the past year. And a lot of companies have let go of a lot of their employees, right? Um, so given the current economic conditions, how does this impact background screening industry today? And what are some of the risks to keep in mind? Again, so background screening, you always want to make sure that the employees you're hiring are the right employees uh, for your company, right? It just right. A, a lot of times it's a cultural fit, right? Yeah. Um, as far as the impact to our industry, what you have to address is what customers are you have uh, as your client base, right? So if you tend to be more in like right now technology, you're probably being hurt, okay? That you're probably, you're probably feeling the market. But if you're in last mile delivery, any type of transportation, hospitality, healthcare, those are the things that right now, you're probably okay. Healthcare is always going to be a good vertical to be in. You know, any type of last mile delivery is always going to be a good vertical to be in. Yep. And you can feel that, you know, during the pandemic, Accurate was actually, I think, the only company in our space that actually grew. Interesting. And just because of the clients that we had. Yeah. So a lot of the companies were uh, down. They ended up down about 10% on average across the board. We actually uh, grew 10% in 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 that year. Okay. And do you see a lot of people, candidates like applicants, moonlighting? Is that a very common scenario? Yeah, especially for, for your, your guys' generation, you know, multiple <laughs> jobs doing, yeah, that's, you, a lot of them are picking up these, in the gig economy, they're picking up yeah. other opportunities that they can make money. Perfect. And what are some strategies to combat these risks? If you were to give like all the background screening uh, companies words of wisdom, what are some strategies to keep in mind? What, what do background screening screeners need to do more of? Again, I, I think the the part uh, that gets missed in our in our space. We're a technology company, but we're tech enabled service. Right. And I think a lot of people don't focus on the service part of it. The technology you're going to get fi- it's going to get figured out. Okay. So once you get the technology dialed in, uh, the information can get processed. But it becomes a service standpoint. Um, and like we view customers as not only are the clients our customer, right? 
But the candidates, even though they're not paying for the background check, they're our customers equally, mm-hmm. right? And we want to make sure that they're uh, taken care of and their rights are being protected and we're reporting things correctly on their behalf. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I heard this from you, Dave, a long time ago, that there are many Daves inaccurate. Is that still the case? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are there still three or four days? I'm the original Dave, yeah. And I think there's probably like four or five days in the in the in the senior management and the board. So yeah. Yeah, it was always like a funny like it stuck with me that there are so many Daves that accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of Daves there. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for joining us today. It was really, really pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Seeking the Truve. You can keep up with the latest on our podcast at truve.com slash podcast or wherever you get your pods. We'll see you next time.